0: Good evening, intrepid listeners, and welcome to Midnight Marinara, coating your favorite creepypasta with some spooky sauce since last October. I, your macabre major D, am most pleased to welcome you to our inaugural episode, and hope the dish we serve tonight is to your liking. Why do we love to tell scary stories? It is a question as old as language and a tradition that predates memory. In this day and age, our love of ghoulish and grotesque tales to frighten and unnerve is still as strong as ever, and the creepypasta is not unlike the campfire stories of days gone by. Yet the means have changed. Instead of the warm light of a friendly blaze, You sit in the cold, incandescent glow of a computer monitor. And instead of being surrounded by friends and loved ones, listening to the voice of the storyteller regale you, you read pixelated text off a screen, alone. Maybe you have the lights off, just for effect. Perhaps it is better this way, you wonder, without anyone to move close to for comfort. Perhaps it is worse. But the fear, the subtle dread that creeps into your imagination, is still the same. Tonight's play concerns two people spending the night together in a hotel room. One of them hopes to pass the time, the other hopes to rekindle a romantic spark that has long since died. But regardless of the motive, they're just telling stories.
1: <laughs> Go on, tell me stories. What kind? Scary ones.
2: Mm-hmm. They might give you nightmares. We've got to be up early tomorrow if we want to catch the first bus back.
1: I don't have nightmares. I'm a big girl.
2: Okay. I'm a bit short on inspiration, so it'll have to be things from books or films. Let's see. Being in this hotel reminds me of a book I read once, by Dean Koontz. This woman was staying in this weird seaside town where people were acting strange. There was a scene in a restaurant where old locals were stuffing spicy food into their mouths. They just staring ahead in silence as they ate, that kind of thing. She was in a hotel, got thirsty, and left her room for a soft drink. Her bedroom was in a long corridor with stairs at each end, and all the other rooms were apparently empty. Now she realised she hadn't seen any other guests as she went into the enclosed gloomy stairs to the ground floor. She put money in the drinks machine and got a can of something, but as it clunked, she thought she'd heard the door she'd come through two flights up close like someone had been waiting for her to make a noise which might cover the sound of them shutting it. And she listened, but she heard nothing else. Still, she felt that there was someone listening to her, somewhere on the shadowy staircase above her. If they were hiding and following her, it couldn't be good. She couldn't bring herself to go back up the stairs, but she was worried she was just imagining it. So she entered that floor's corridor of rooms, walked down it, opened the fire door at the base of the second set of stairs at the other end. That was dark too, so maybe the lights were broken. She was just about to go up quickly when she thought she heard a click, a door on another floor opening or closing, as if the person had moved along her floor quickly and was now up there. Or even worse, she suddenly realised, what if there were two people, one at each staircase, and they were working together, planning to ambush her? Even now, one of them could be coming down those stairs. Another could be at the other end of this corridor, having followed her down. And they could be getting ready to trap her.
1: Shit, that's scary. What'd she do?
2: The sensible thing. Got help from the person on hotel reception. Of course, the staff member didn't find anything. Thought she was mad, saw her to her room. But she wasn't mad. I won't say what happens next but it's a good book to read, especially if you're staying in a hotel.
1: Come to think of it, we've not seen many people at this hotel.
2: Yeah. Imagine if they'd all disappeared. Maybe they've been killed, and the killers are creeping down the hallway towards our room. (laughs) Hear that? (laughs) Probably someone having a smoke outside.
1: Not all dead, then.
2: (laughs) Not yet. You know... If this gets too horrifying, you can hop into my bed.
1: Not a good idea.
2: Why not? Wouldn't be the first time.
1: Things are different. Just friends, remember? No benefits? The benefit of my company.
2: Spoilsport. Anyway, it's your turn.
1: Okay. This one's true, though.
2: Yeah, right.
1: It is! I was looking after a friend's house once, years ago. I was about twenty. They had a cat called Poppy... But it wasn't theirs originally, That it belonged to a woman who killed herself, hung. And the cat had been in the house with her locked in and it was five days before anyone found the body. Really? Yeah, it was horrible. Poor thing was trapped with her body all that time. Anyway, I was looking after my friend's house while they were in Spain. I was staying in the guest bedroom, it was really nice. I like house-sitting.
2: I could do it for you, whenever you and what's-his-name go on holiday.
1: You know his name. And I doubt he'd want you in the house.
2: I wouldn't root through your drawers.
1: That's not the reason. And are you going to keep interrupting me?
2: My apologies, Madam Storyteller. Carry on.
1: Thank you. Okay, so house-sitting. I was a bit nervous. I'd watched a horror film, I think it was The Fog, so I was jumpy. Kept looking out the windows to make sure there wasn't any fog rolling in, hoping the doorbell wouldn't ring. And then I went to bed, called up to the cat. But in the night I woke for some reason and realised that the cat wasn't on the bed with me anymore. I switched the lamp on, and there was no sign of it, so I got up. On the landing light, I saw the door to the main bedroom was ajar. It had been closed. <laughs> I was nervous, but I wanted anyway to switch the light on. The cat was on the bed, shivering and staring up towards the corner of the room. At nothing. But it was as if it could see something that I couldn't. For the cat, something was there. Something hung there. I freaked out, it was so intense. I got out of there, back to my room, locked the door so that the cat couldn't come in, and sat in bed with the light on. And when I told the owners the next day, they said it often does that, stares up. They said not to worry, that wasn't a ghost or anything. But I never looked out of the house again.
2: I don't think I would either. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect timing, huh?
1: Poor kitty's probably soaked. Right, your turn to tell me something. Not from a book this time.
2: Oh, I don't know. Though, I remember something I was frightened of as a kid. Some story me and my cousin used to tell about the Black Nuns. What are they? The funny thing is, I can hardly remember any details about them now. Or even where we'd heard about them originally. Maybe we'd discussed it with other kids who'd known the legend. I was about nine, I think. I just remember that we got really scared when we talked about them. He would be in a sleeping bag on the floor by my bed when he was staying, and in the night we'd whisper about them after the lights went out. They were called black nuns because they wore long black robes and whatever those hood things are that nuns wear. Wimples. Maybe. But they weren't alive. Maybe not human even. They'd all had their heads removed, and others sewn on in their place. Heads that were blackened, swollen, like they'd been poisoned or drowned or crushed. Maybe heads from hell. I can't even remember why the heads were that way. We used to know. Dementia. The heads? Oh, you mean me. Hmm, unlikely at 30.
1: I've heard of it. Maybe you're really an old person, senile, unable to walk, trapped in a cave mine where you think it is forty years early and you fantasize that you're in a room with a beautiful woman.
2: <laughs> it will be a nightmare turn out you're a vampire or an axe murderer. Charming. So, these heads, they were sewn on, rough stitches, and the black nuns would appear around people's beds in the night, have sharp implements to cut off heads, and sew these weird black heads on, make more black nuns. You'd wait, and they'd be there, staring, and then they'd make their move.
1: That's nasty.
2: They could appear anywhere when you weren't looking. In a wardrobe, or round a corner, or in a bathroom. Then get you when you were weakest. They're like a combination of all your worst fears. I think they went after unbelievers, and maybe only adults, so that the bodies were the right size to sew on the heads. I vaguely remember something about them corrupting a person's blood first. Changing their body until they were ready for the nuns to appear. Worst of all, they don't make any sound except for whispering. And they hiss and whisper to each other, and that's how you know they're near.
1: I bet you both scared yourselves
2: silly. (laughs) We did. I remember one day he said we shouldn't talk about them anymore. In case it summoned them. It was a silly idea, but seemed dreadful to a kid. So we stopped. Never talked about them again. Just in case.
1: Great, and now you've just told me.
2: Oh, we were kids. It was just a fantasy.
1: Still freaky. Tell me something that isn't real again.
2: Ah, you're insatiable. And anyway, it's your turn.
1: I don't know. Well, there was this one time I'd gone to see the Blair Witch Project with a friend. I knew nothing about it beforehand. The film was disturbing, but I wasn't afraid. Not until the final scene, with, where the girl with the camera walks into this old house in the woods and something in the corner that she just walked past gets her from behind. I thought I was okay, said bye to my friend, went home. Only lived in a poky flat then. And found I couldn't walk into a room normally. I was terrified that wherever I turned my back, something would be there. I ended up going into my bedroom sideways back to the wall so that nothing could get me from behind, edged round the room and got into bed. (laughs) It's silly, isn't it? But at the time, I couldn't deal with the idea.
2: It's creepy, isn't it? The way ideas get under your skin, stay with you. You don't turn your back on anything.
1: Yeah. After that, every noise in the house made me think that something was creeping around.
2: Yeah. Something like that happened to me right after I saw The Exorcist, the first one. It's worse because it's supposed to have really happened, but to a boy, he got possessed instead of a girl. <laughs> I saw the film as a kid. It made me worry about creaks in the attic.
1: Ah, oh, that's awful. My mum saw it as a teenager too in the theatre. Said she still can't watch it without being freaked out by it. i have never seen it myself.
2: Well, I'd told my friends it was good, and they hadn't seen it. So when I found out that there was a late night showing at the cinema in Manchester, four of us went... I was about 19, I think. It should have been good. I know the special effects can seem ropey if you're not into it. But the problem was that some people in the cinema were laughing, jeering, making noise. That was killing the effect, making it less scary. Really annoying. So, we came out. My friends weren't that impressed. And we got a bus home. The thing is, pictures get lodged in your head. The film's known for that. I think there's even a few bits where there are subliminal images. Like a, <laughs> a monstrous white face flashed over another face for just a fraction of a second. We got off the bus. It was all gloomy. Just streetlights. Walking down the road, thinking we were all fine. And I was walking past a car.
1: I don't think I want to know anymore, if it's going to be awful.
2: It's okay, it's not bad. It's just that as we walked past I saw something I almost shrieked because for a second I thought I'd seen a pale face with wild hair rear up in the back of the car towards me. I was so freaked out that there was nothing there. My friends laughed, said it must have been a reflection, and I think they're right. But it seemed real, like I'd created or summoned it just by believing it. Just a reflection. See? I said it wasn't terrible. I wanted to show that it's just in our minds. Psychology.
1: It does creep you out. I feel like the hair's are up on the back of my neck.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Sunny day, you never think of these things. Dead of night? <laughs> you cack yourself. It's your fault you wanted to tell scary stories.
1: I know. I wish we hadn't now.
2: Because it affects you. It affects me too. Don't tell anyone this, but I hate being alone at night, because I have three fears that always get to me. They're all related, and usually all of them freak me out at once when I go to the toilet. Toilet? Yeah, in the dark.
1: Why not put a light on?
2: I'm trying to get over the fear, so I challenge myself. hasn't worked yet, though.
1: I'll probably regret this, but I can't resist if it's toilet-related fear. What scares you? And don't you dare tell me it's a giant snake. I know you. Tadpole more like.
2: (laughs) Hmph. If you're gonna be like that...
1: Don't be silly. Tell me.
2: Well... The first one is that when I go toilet in the dark, I cross the landing. Then the entrance to the bedroom is the door right at the top of the stairs down to the front And I try not to look down the stairs in the moonlight, because I worry that I'll see a man... Michael Myers stood there in workman's overalls, looking up with his pale moon mask on, a knife in his hand. And as soon as I see him, he'll start walking up the stairs, that horrible, purposeful stride that isn't a run, but it still means he'll get to you in seconds. So I don't look, because I think that then he won't be there. Except, as I go to the bathroom, I can see downstairs out of the corner of my eye. And because I'm not looking properly, I see the shape of the coats on hooks, and it looks a bit like a man in the gloom. And I rush into the bathroom, and then look anyway, to see if I need to bolt the door. Not that it would do any good, because he would just punch his way through.
1: Fuck, stop it. It's hideous. Nah,
2: it's from when I was a kid. I hadn't even seen Halloween.
1: How did you know about Michael Myers, then?
2: saw him in a book I used to have about the history of horror movies. It had lots of pictures, and one of them was from Halloween, Michael Myers standing in the dark. And so that's what I expect to see when I go toilet in the dead of night.
1: I wish I'd never asked. Now I'm going to think of that, too.
2: Now that's my trip to the toilet, tier number one. The second fear is as I leave the bathroom.
1: I don't want to know. This is already going to give me nightmares.
2: Isn't fear good? You wanted it. Don't chicken out now.
1: You're a monster.
2: Right. Anyway, fear number two. <laughs> Very funny. No, it's when I leave in the dark. always expect a shove from behind as I pass the top of the stairs. Some kind of... Malicious poltergeist. It'll shove me with loads of force, cold pressure, solid air, and I'll tumble down stairs, breaking bones, and lie paralysed at the bottom, knowing that whatever pushed me is moving down the stairs.
1: I said I didn't want to know anymore.
2: I told you to cover your ears, but then you took your hands off. That's my second fear. Why I always feel my way to the banister and grab it as soon as I can. Grip it tight until I'm past the top of the stairs.
1: You're being mean now.
2: Only one more fear. You could always hold my hand if it'll make you feel better.
1: You don't give up, do you?
2: Well, maybe I still care.
1: God, how many times do I have to tell you we're through before it gets through your thick head? Whatever that was between us has passed, and I wish you would just leave it at that.
2: (laughs) (gasps) Just a door banging.
1: First time I've heard anyone in the room next to us.
2: Oh, well. It's not like we've paid enough to have the whole extension to ourselves.
1: No, I suppose not. Talk to me. I want to hear you talking. No more scary stuff, though.
2: (sighs) At least let me tell you the last one.
1: Please don't. I don't care anymore.
2: The third fear is that if I look in the mirror above the toilet in the dark, I'll see a face that isn't my own looking back at me, or maybe something behind me over my shoulder.
1: I'm upset. Stop now.
2: Uh, it bothers me too. It's those black nuns come back to haunt me, really. I keep imagining one's going to step around the corner from the bathroom with some shears. they would be on it in a second.
1: That's enough. I really mean it now. Please.
2: Fine. I'll go to the bathroom first. Wait, what's that? What? That scratching noise. Hear it?
1: Stop trying to scare me, you ass.
2: What? Like pretending I'm being attacked while I'm in there? Or coming out with a pair of scissors?
1: Better fucking not! (laughs) Prick!
2: Your turn. Hey, it's uh, after midnight. I wouldn't look in the mirror if I were you. Rachel? Oh, come on. I know you're mad, but you can at least say something. Well, can you at least turn the lamp back on? I can barely see. I chickened out, see. I turned the light on in the bathroom, and now my eyes haven't adjusted. Fine, be that way. Those noises. <laughs> hey, we'd better be careful. That dripping might be black nuns forming in the bathroom. Look, I'm really sorry. I was trying to scare you, get you to look to me for comfort. You were always in control, and that bothered me. You just shunted me aside when you were done. And you try to play it off like what we had was only a fling. Well, it wasn't. Not for me. I wanted a say for once. (laughs) Now all I've done is spook myself as much as I've spooked you. And I'm sorry. Rachel? Rachel? Dammit, I can hear you moving. I know you're not asleep. Just talk to me, please. I'm going to turn on the light, I'm being honest with you, and now you're just being spiteful. What?
0: We hope you've enjoyed tonight's offering, intrepid listeners, and that it satisfied your need for a chilling story. And if a good scary tale is what you seek, then remember that you shouldn't let your imagination run wild. It may get the best of you. <laughs> Until next we convene, pleasant dreams. <laughs> Midnight Marinera is a bi-monthly podcast written, produced, directed, and mixed by David King. This episode featured the voice talents of Jason Cates, Sheverst, and Sarah Llewellyn. Just Telling Stories is based on the short story by Carl Drinkwater. You can find his work at carldrinkwater.blogspot.com. Special thanks to Karen, Ben, and Molly Spiegel. Want to suggest a creepypasta for us to look at? Interested in contributing to the show? Feel free to leave a comment or email us at midnightmarinera at gmail.com. There will be other ways to contact us in the future, but we're still setting up shop, so bear with us. Thanks for listening.